Welcome back to The Journeyman. As always, I'm Ben Fleming. I'm your host, joined by the man, the star of the show, the one that you came here for, the gorgeous red-bearded wonder, Mr. Dan Straley. Dan, um, what's going on, man? You're in unfamiliar territory. I see a generic lamp behind you. This isn't the bourbon shelf. I feel like you're traveling. Why are you so far from me, Dan? I wish I could tell you that I was at spring training, um, but I'm not there yet. Uh, you're I, on the I, way. You're, dra- you're traveling. I'm, you're in Sacramento. I'm, I'm, I'm on my way. I wish. I, uh, I'm still job hunting. I still, you know, I got my resume out there. We're rolling. Um, you know, had some had some interesting conversations uh, since we pod potted last. Um, no offers yet. Nothing's, nothing's been handed out yet. Nothing's been offered yet, but, um, we're making progress. And, you know, one of the, one of the things is teams want to see what I'm doing still, right. Uh, games have started. So guys have started to underperform guys have started to get hurt and that those roster spots are, you know, they're valuable and I get that. And so I, uh, I'm actually back up at driveline again. And, uh, I just, I, I didn't feel like I was able to get the same kind of training at home last week mm. that I could that I could get up here in Seattle. So, uh, you know, our, our guest that we have um, coming on a little bit actually came and hit live BP against me. And that that helped. That really did help me kind of dial up some intensity. Um, but it just, it just wasn't quite the same. And I didn't have the same technology and stuff around me that I'm able to send out to teams. So it was definitely not a wasted week by any means. But I was uh, just wasn't happy with how everything went last week training wise. Um, and so, uh, yeah, jumped in the car this morning and, uh, and, and it drove on up to Seattle. Uh, first time driving this year, seventh trip up first time driving. Yeah. That's not like the friendliest drive this time of year. So I, I respect the bravery. Uh, but also real quick, I, I haven't really learned how to do my introduction any different. We're also joined by the professor and Christina who are here. It's still the quadcast. I'm sure the comments are firing off with angry vitriol. That we are missing a couple members, but they're not. They're in the room. They're right here. They were muted for a moment, and now they're joining. What's going on, Professor and Christina? How's the week been? Oh, solid. Those comments firing off were just Christina and I going back and forth, so everything's fine. You're good. Bing, bing. Yeah, you guys are fast. My gosh. Christina did nothing this week. Is that what I'm hearing? I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's been great. <laughs> I I watched two Mariners games. The Let's go. Fleming Cal Raleigh. Family yeah, have, we know why you yeah. watch. Oh, man. That's I just fast forward all the parts until he's like on the screen and all the interviews and every pitch he's catching and it's the best. I don't I we should not talk. I feel feel like I felt like we should talk about Kyle Raleigh and then I'm like, no, I think we shouldn't because I won't stop talking about him. Yeah, well, I'd like to talk more about him. He's become the new white whale. Remember when Mina Kimes was the white whale, Dan? And we were like, man, it would be crazy to get her. And I think Kyle Raleigh might be the new one. Then she came on. Let's yeah. work on it. Let's work Dreams on it. Polar bear. Come true. <laughs> you know so much about him. Okay, Dan, I want to go back to something that you just said. You said training really wasn't working kind of how you hoped it would, right? You're maybe yeah. spinning your wheels a little bit. What alarm bells, what are the red flags when that goes off, right? It's kind of like dating. I, I hate to bring so much of what you do back to dating, but sometimes you're in the middle of that second, third, fourth date, and you're going, I just don't know why I hate you. Um, yeah. And you're what? what's that unspoken red flag in the training? What What is that? It was, it was the classic, it's not you, 
it's me. Ah, yeah. yeah. So I got to so, go find someone else. So without getting like, I'll just get there. So I wear a heart rate monitor 24 seven. It's called the whoop band. And so I know that when I'm pitching that my heart rate gets up to 150 and long innings, it gets up to like 170. Like, and that's where you, like I perform really well. For some reason, when I'm at home in a batting cage throwing to nobody, like I am at like a solid 125 heart rate and I just can't seem to get it going. Um, and like, uh, you know, my buddy, Steven, Steven Nogasek, he, uh, he took off to, to Florida. He signed a, a minor league deal with the Nationals, So he took off and my other two training partners, uh, Seth Brown and Kyle Higashioka are gone. And it's just me and, and Josh Graham are the two unsigned ball players in central Oregon that are, you know, we're, we're going, but like, and, and we go and we throw live at bats and we're out in the parking lot and Josh just looks at me and is just like, dude, like, I hate to say this cause like, you know how much we, re- we rely on each other here, but like, you gotta, you gotta go, you gotta go up to Seattle. Like you gotta go do what you gotta do. And doing it here just ain't it right now. And he's like, that sucks for me, but I'm telling you, you, you just got to go, you got to get yourself up there. You got to get that, that video, that data, that everything, that intensity. And I got home and talked to Amanda and was just like, yeah, you know, it went, it went fine. It was good. Like I pitched great. Um, you know, that's expected, but there's just something missing. Right. And, uh, and I think that was kind of it. It wasn't, you know, a couple of weeks ago I came up here just cause spring training camp started and I felt like, man, I just, I, I need to be somewhere else. And, like all that part's gone. Like I'm just putting the work in, just, just, you know, waiting, waiting for my, for my turn. But it was just like, yeah, I just, I got this feeling of just like, man, I need to be up in Seattle, uh, just doing a better job, getting that, that data and getting everything out there for teams. Because like I've said, this, since we started this process, like I'm going to leave no stone unturned and mm-hmm. I still have something left to give to this game. And I'm not, I'm not willing just to, to sit back and keep spinning my wheels when I think I can be doing something else. And, you know, like last night, it was, uh, you know, I'm putting Jackson to bed and he's like in tears. I'm like, what's, what's going on, bud? And he's just like, well, I mean, you're, you're leaving in the morning. And I was like, I know, dude, I know. But remember like, this is it's so hard. Daddy, daddy's trying to get a job so he can go, uh, you know, keep providing for our family and, and keep playing this game. And he was like, all right, well you go to Seattle and you go get a job. So, you know, when spring break comes, me and mommy can come visit and see your baseball stadium. And I'm just like, he just, the world is so simple to that kid. Right. But like, mm-hmm. um, I got out of that room and I just looked at Amanda and I was just like, I I've, I haven't felt like more motivated than right now. Like literally like everything in the world should say like, dude, you know, you suck, go home, you're done, blah, blah, blah. But like, I don't feel that way. And it's like having just like these moments of just like, and, and it definitely ebbs and flows, but like, I definitely have this moment like right now where I'm just like, nothing can stop me. Like, I know that the, the, the world would say that things are stacked against me and all these kind of, but like, I just don't feel that way. Like, it's like an odd, almost, I don't know if it feels like an imposter almost at, at times, mm-hmm. but like, I, it's, I'm, I'm just comfortable with, with finishing what I started. And I still have this big belief that it's this season, this year is going to turn out great. And I'm going to get right where I want to be. I'm just going to have a very unconventional story of how I got there. Yeah. And uh, I wonder what it is in the secret sauce of that interaction with Jax, right? I think every dad has probably had that 
interaction. But the difference yeah. between someone like you and someone like me is that I'm like, yeah, I got to go to Southern California for three days for this like little work conference thing. And, you know, my daughter's like, well, what the heck? Why would you go? And it's so far. And I'm like, look, relax. I'll be back in like three days. Um, right. And also like whether or not to continue to go forward with my work or not has nothing to do with really that interaction. Cause it's just such a small blip on the radar. So I guess that's a long story short of, of asking what makes that motivation, that interaction uh, to continue to go forward instead of motivation to stop and to call it and to stay home and not go for the weekend. It's uh, I really want to show my son that we finish what we start. Mm-hmm. It's that simple. We don't, we sign up for something. We don't, we don't quit. Um, whether or not it gets tough, whether or not it gets, you know, no matter what the, the journey looks like to get there, we don't finish until like the job is done. Um, and so, you know, even in this like unknown period, like I, I can't just stop like the, you know, I don't just get to stop. And if I, if I was with a club, I'd be doing the same thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be you're throwing two, two to three times a week, high intensity and then, you know, getting ready for the next time I'm on the mound in between. And, uh, you know, I don't have that conventional way to do it, but it's like when I, when I tell Jackson that it's, you know, it's just me, this is my version of work. And I explained to him that most moms and dads, you know, they, they, they take the kids to school and then they go to work and they work all day. And then they, they work even after school gets out and, then they come home and they get those few hours in the evening. And I was like, you know, my job's just a little different, buddy, where I go away for six to eight months at a time and you and mommy come and hang out and you kind of go back and forth. And then I'm home for four months in a row. Like, it's just a very different kind of setup, you know, and this is the same kid that would ask kids in his class what positions their dad plays on the team. You know, it's just like there's obviously there's like a part of the the world that he doesn't understand fully and that's fine. But um, yeah, it's just something about being around my family that just keeps me hyper-focused and motivated on why I'm doing this. Like this isn't, like I just feel, I just feel like it's unfinished business and that's why I'm out trying to, to complete what I started 16 years ago. And uh, just it's just something about like coming home and being with them for a few days and then getting back up here and getting back to work that just really just fires me up and keeps me going. I and, I don't really know what else to explain it. Um, but like, I just, yeah, something about that interaction with him just really wants me to prove to him in a way that like hard work pays off and that staying diligent with something pays off. And, you know, it's not all for nothing. Like you, you, you don't, nothing's ever given to us in this world and you just have to keep going. You have to keep working. And I think those are just things that were instilled in me and things that I just want to instill in him. Professor, your kids ever use guilt in order to manipulate your behavior or as uh, Jackson and my kids, the only one? I know my kids do it to Christina all the time. I would ask her yeah. if my kids use I was, guilt. I was going to say, <laughs> I was going to say, I know some kids who do that. It, it, it's at least kind of nice for me when they're off to, to school and they, they were like, well, what are you going to go do? And I'm going to school. Like, well, I'm, I'm at school too, buddy. You know, I'm at school too. So I, uh, no. I have that to lean back on where at least they, they, they kind of understand that, you know, that they kind of understand that, well, data teaches. So he's going to be, uh, he's going to be at school. But like mama doesn't go to school. Like, no, no, mama doesn't go to school. <laughs> 
a couple quick housekeeping items before we jump into our uh, our first interview of the redo the uh, a new edition of the Journeyman Podcast. Uh, we've got a listener review here on Apple Podcasts. It's five stars from Brad. Love hearing the personal side of the baseball career journey. All I ever hear is news reports and news type answers. Nice to hear someone who's been in the game a long time and give an interesting perspective on everything. Keep it going, and I'll be rooting for you, Dan. Uh, not Ben, but Dan. That's fine. Um, glad you got a fan, Dan. You do. That's fantastic. Uh, you have a fan. Love. He's just nine years old, and you calls you dad. Yeah, I got one. All right. Uh, we would love for you to rate, review, subscribe wherever you are getting your podcasts. Um, and as we jump into this interview, I, I want you to actually subscribe to this YouTube channel, this Instagram page, uh, TikTok, the whole business. I want you to go into any of those socials and search the baseball bat bros, and you will see the star of this interview. Uh, man, you guys, this was such a fun talk talking about something with Will Taylor, the host, the big guy, the head kahuna of the baseball bat bros, uh, giving us insight into a really niche industry that he himself has started in baseball. And that is that he makes videos in which he reviews aluminum baseball bats. And I don't even know if aluminum is the right term anymore. It seems like they're made of all kinds of different things. Um, but it's everything from the old retro bats to the new ones. If your kid is between the ages of nine and 18 and they're playing baseball the odds are they're going to come across these videos they're going to know who will is uh and it's a really really cool interaction that we get to have with him uh to take us into the world of really high school college youth sports uh and even dip us into a little bit of the nostalgia so subscribe to all of his pages and enjoy this interview with will We are so excited to have, for the very first time, hopefully not the last time, Mr. Will Taylor from the Baseball Bat Bros. What's going on, Will? What's going on, fellas? Appreciate you having me on today. Nice, uh, windy evening here in Bend, Oregon. So I got to tell you, Will, before we get started, I'm going to jump in with bad news. Uh, you ruined an incredible rant that I had to my Little League team this last year after all this discussion about... You know, I have this bat and he has this bat. Why can't I use his bat? I sat my whole team down. And I said, you listen to me. This is about the batter. This is not about the bat. It makes no difference. You get in there with whatever stick you have and you swing for the moon. You hear me? And then my son gets on your Instagram about nine months ago where I'm introduced to the baseball bat bros for the first time. And he scrolls all the way through your videos and he says, dad, I got to break it to you. The bat matters. And now I've gone all the way through those videos and absolutely you've, you've made it very, very clear that I can't rant and rave to my little league team anymore. So thank you very much. Hey man, I always say we're here for the, the 2% that the bat provides 98% of the batter. You can tell the team that. All right. <laughs> yes. So how'd all this start? Will? I mean, you love baseball. I've heard a little bit of your story. Listen to other interviews. You play in uh, you play in little league like all of us do, and then high school, and then end up getting in Division One college. But let's kind of go straight toward how did this thing start? This part of the journey where you found a niche in the baseball universe that I don't know that anybody else has ever found. Uh, this happened by accident, on purpose. Give us a little bit of the backstory. Yeah, yeah. In short, it, it happened by accident. Um, I'm in a little bit of a unique situation in terms of you know the baseball world where I was actually out of baseball for probably four or five years or so before I started doing baseball bat bros. So 
back in back in the heyday. Um, grew up playing high school baseball in Oregon. Got the opportunity to barely, barely walk on to the University of Utah. Go Utes. Uh, and I, you know, I, I tell a lot of people this. I was worst player on the team for sure. Like not even close. Um, but I was a great teammate, great defensive catcher. I was an okay hitter. I found my hitting stride later in life, as you as you now know. But uh, I I was not that amazing of a player. I did play in the Pac-12. I had a bunch of cool experience uh, cool experiences, but I was kind of struggled with playing time. And I hung up the cleats early. Got married young. Still married. She's fantastic. Um, and just kind of settled with myself that, you know, baseball was an amazing part of my life. Let's move on to what's next. Um, what I didn't expect was, you know, what would happen a few years later. So I have a brother that's nine years younger than me. Um, but you know, he's my best friend and he's a gamer, man. So, uh, when I was, you know, about four years removed from baseball, that's when my little brother was very, very first getting into baseball. He was a freshman at Lake Ridge High School over in Lake Oswego, Oregon. And that kind of really got me thinking like, yo, I, I feel like, you know, I have something to offer here. I, I, I can help him out. I can throw him BP at the very least. This will be like my last hoorah in baseball. Uh, and uh, I'll, I'll help my brother get, get good and maybe get a scholarship, play at a high level, see where he can take it. He was really undersized, so I didn't actually think he was going to be that good. Fast forward, he's starting second baseman and three hitter for University of Louisiana right now. So they just beat Rice today. So uh, I'm actually going to see him next weekend in uh, Minute Maid Park. They're playing against uh, – they got Vanderbilt on Friday, so it's going to be dope. But So, yeah, that worked out for him. But uh, for, for my story, um, this was probably in about 2017 when I'm starting to throw him BP and whatnot. I throw him BP probably every day. He's progressing well and – Every now and then I'm like, dude, let me hop in, bro. Uh, you, you're finally old enough to throw BP now. And I would hit too. And we just have so much fun. You know, it's like we always played wiffle ball growing up. This is like, you know, big field, real baseball, wiffle ball. We started to play basically. And we just had so much fun with it. I kind of fell back in love with baseball. And, you know, fast forward probably two years of that to 2019. Um, like I'm like, dude. All I all I ever loved in life was baseball. I feel like this is this is like what I was really really good at, and I'm catching the fire for it again. What would it look like for me to get back into baseball? So for about a two year window, I had an I always tell people this. I I had a notes on my notes app on my phone. I had a running list of baseball business ideas, and you know there were there were a bunch of different ideas. One was coaching, like or like hitting lessons and. I tried hitting lessons for a minute and I don't know if any of you guys have done hitting lessons, but it's tough. Dude, I, and not yeah. for me, bro. I, I hated it. So <laughs> is it the uh, age of the kind kid? Of that's what's tough. I don't know. I think the fact that the parents are like literally there for the uh, whole lesson yeah. would be very difficult, but uh, I'm also not a parent yet. So I don't have like experience with working with, with, you know, younger kids a lot. So it's a special skill to, to coach and to be an instructor and, um, my dad was amazing at it. Maybe I'll be good at it one day, but I don't think it's for me at the moment. But, uh, so on to the next thing. Uh, the second thing on my list that I just had a weird fascination for, for whatever reason was, uh, open a baseball sporting goods store. Uh, there was actually a good blueprint of this Oregon city sporting goods, just a little mom and pop shop 
in uh, Oregon City, and it was like just baseball. For whatever reason, they were just, you know, nerding out on baseball. They had all the cool stuff. They had all-star catchers, gloves, nothing but A2000s. They had all the new bat releases. And, like, if you looked in, like, the basketball section, they'd have, like, three basketballs and, like, some knee pads maybe, and that was it. So it was, like, just a baseball (laughs) store. I thought it was so sick. And it inspired me to want to do something like that one day. So uh, we would (laughs) go on eBay and buy these old, you know, grungy-looking baseball bats that we knew were good, but just, you know, didn't look like they'd be good. We would, this is again, me and my little brother, we would clean them up, magic eraser, the barrel, regrip them, make a video on Instagram with them showing that they bang, you know, doing like an uncut 90 second clip. And we post it on YouTube as well. And she's like, yo, this bat is good. We have it on our eBay store. It's called the baseball bat store. And uh, we'd post the video and try to sell the bat for, you know, $45 when we bought it for $25, right? <laughs> that was my brilliant high margin business idea. Awesome. And rich doing that. that. Yeah. That didn't work out. I did, we didn't make much money with that. And we realized pretty quick that that, that wasn't really going to play. But what did happen out of that was four months down the road, we, we were like, oh, we still have those little videos on YouTube. And a couple of them, I remember there was one with a Marucci AP5 wood bat had like 5,000 views and the comments were flooded with like, you guys are really good at this. Like, can you guys review this bat? Can you guys review this bat? Uh, Could you guys look into this bat? And that's kind of when the light bulb really went off of, yo, like there's an untapped market here for, for just like, we don't have to sell bats. We could just make videos reviewing bats. Um, so sure enough, we, we tried the first one and I'm not, I don't come from a video editing production background. I'm just grinding an iMovie, honestly, on my old, like 2017 MacBook air at the time. And, uh, we make this just terrible bat review inside a cage, no analytics whatsoever. Just, just getting hyped up about the bat. Pure vibe. It's, it's That's a terrible it. video, in my opinion, but we still have it up just so people can look back at it. But it blew up. It's like 80,000 views in a week, I think. And from honestly, from that very first video, I, like very lucky situation where a lot of YouTubers don't go through this. Our first video popped off and we, we had our, our niche right away. And uh, people were like, yo, we, we want you. We want you to be the person that does this like me and my little bro. So we changed the baseball bat store to the baseball bat bros. And four or five years later, here we are. That That's kind of the, as short as I've been able to make the story, unfortunately, but it's beautiful. So what, what did you do between being a Ute and starting that? Like what, what did you do in that four years? Great question. I went into marketing and advertising with my communications degree. Perfect. <laughs> I, I just, took the first job that would take me. I did advertise. I I would place advertisements for like car dealerships and banks. I worked at an advertising agency. Like I was pretty good, but uh, yeah, I I just had a a desk job at a couple different advertising agencies until I hung that up once we got, you know, I I think what, what it took was I had to make more from my YouTube channel than I did my regular job for three straight months. That's when I finally quit. So that was, that was probably September, 2020, I think is when that happened. So what's the pressure like out there? You're on a field 
almost all by yourself. I've been told through the vine uh, that your wife is the female voice that comes through on the intercom. Is that right? <laughs> so when uh, you kind of step back for the for the listener, you step back after a monster hit and you wait a second. You kind of look at the ground or maybe you still look up <laughs> and then there's this voice that comes over that's over like walkie talkie and it's like 109. And then you guys freak <laughs> out or you're pissed or whatever. But I got to believe yeah. there's, there's got to be a little bit of pressure out there. You got a small crew. Sometimes it's really cold and they need you to perform out there. Is there pressure being the man in that situation? Oh, yeah. Quick shout out to my wife, Shay, director of Exit Velocity, director of Rapsodo Data uh, <laughs> for the Baseball Bad Bros Incorporated. But uh, I, there, you know. As, as, in terms of pressure, being behind a camera and being able to edit the video, I can very comfortably say the pressure is very, very comfy and absolutely nothing like actually playing in a game. So um, I, I personally think hitting in the videos is quite the cushy luxury compared to a hitter hitter trying to face a pitcher that's trying to get him out. I my my pitcher is a machine that throws the same pitch right down the middle every time. So, I mean, I've done so many. We've done like four hundred videos. It, it's you know, I feel pretty comfortable out there to at this point, honestly. Are you are you still buying any of the bats that come to you, or are they all just yeah. being sent to you? Well, that's a great question too. We've run into a recent problem where okay, so at first we bought all the bats we reviewed for the most part. It was like you know, I just figured. It's a good investment. Um, Sell them you know, on eBay when you're done with it. Will grow. Yeah, it, and we weren't big enough to get you know like <laughs> a bunch of free products sent to us. Then you know after we got big enough, free product, free product, free product. Even if it like you know we were clear like yo this might be a bad review, but like they still sent it anyways because it's worth it just in case it is a good review. They'll sell a lot of bats. We've ran into a problem recently where. To our credit, we've done a really good job of being very, very honest with the reviews over over you know the tenure of the channel. For sure. So a lot of companies actually prefer to not send the bat for the risk that will give a bad review. Because like mm-hmm. lately, I'd say more than 50% of the reviews, the general sentiment is like, this bat is okay, but there is a better option. So some companies have started to not want to send us a bat right away and see if they can get, you know, some good initial sales from their own marketing and whatnot right away. To answer your question, I've started buying the bats a lot more recently, which is more of just like, uh, fine, I'll buy the bat and I'll review it super yeah. honest, you know? So it's been, it helps us do our job better. Honestly. Right. Right. Yeah. If I'm sending you the bat, I want you to say it's the greatest thing ever. I don't yeah. want you to say this bat is this bat is absolutely amazing, um, but it's also yeah. the exact same bat as one that's three hundred dollars cheaper. So, like, yeah. I totally get that. Like, that's a tough place to be for them. But you know, also too, like, you're going to review the bat anyway. Exactly, we're going to get it eventually. But you yeah. know, like for example, this is a really recent relevant example. Have you guys seen the the pencil bat? Yeah, that has gone all over social media mm-hmm. recently. That's a bat where like they know initially that's going to sell well just from the design and from the height. Yeah, uh, cool. It is a new bat with new technology. So like a lot of our, our viewers are, are hitting us up like, yo, review this bat. This bat looks really interesting. And they didn't send us one where normally that company would send us a new release. Okay. But I think, you know, 
you know, b- between us and whoever's listening to this, uh, they probably <laughs> just, figured, just yeah, it's just us. They probably figured that they would get some good initial sales from that bat. And the risk of sending one to the baseball bat bros was more significant than the potential reward. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. has anyone offered you money to say this bat is amazing? Like no matter what, what matter what the metrics say, but has anyone sent you a bat and been like, Hey, and you don't need to name any names if it's happened, but like been like, Hey, here's yeah. 10 grand. And I just need you to make a video saying this bat is the best thing you've Are ever you had. Are you asking if there's like a baseball bat mafia, Dan, out there? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I will name names, but <laughs> that has happened. You'd be shocked how like respectful and understanding most of the big like baseball bat brands are of what we do. They, they seem to really appreciate it. Like, yo, we're not going to like mess with well, what's going on. We love we love that what you're doing is like real and honest. So yeah. the ninety nine point nine percent of the time, they understand like, you know, we're not going to mess with what you're doing. Uh, way back in the day, they haven't done this in a long time. They are much better. Bombat tried to give us money for a, for a review, which okay. is hilarious because that's a bat <laughs> we've said nothing but good things about forever. So it's like they were the last company that needed to do that. But they did, and I just thought it was so pathetic. But um, I don't even know if that guy works there anymore. I'm not going to say his name, obviously. But uh, it's been, you know, it's been probably four years since that happened. Did you uh, say yes? No, hell, no, dude, absolutely not. <laughs> I was like, mad at it. like oh, are you kidding? The integrity me? Like, of the channel, damn it. The entire purpose of everything we do. So exactly. No, uh, that's the only time we've like directly been offered money for a bat review. Like there might've been people that have kind of implied it or suggested it and it's just easy to ignore. But yeah, that that was the one example that, oh man, that that pissed us off. When are you going to announce to the world that you are coming out with your own baseball bat? Oh, that's a great question too. So we, we've been asked that a bunch. It's a common suggestion we get on the channel. Um, it, It would change the channel forever. Yeah. I feel like. And it would change from the channel being completely about the player and it would it would kind of become the Bat Bros trying to sell their own bat. That's fair. So That's fair. I think you Take know like the, if uh, we're really sensing the fall off on the horizon, if we're sensing like, you know, this might be the last year, yeah. Then like that would be the scenario in which we do that, but uh, I mean, I, I see a situation here well, though. That's not I see a situation here where like you're like father time walking around with like two bad hips and a walker on the field and you got all the the baseball bat bros you're like on the seventh iteration of the the star hitter and you're just up there just back in my day and like using the bat as your cane or something and just like rolling this thing on forever question after a while easton's getting a hold of you and being like we need you to stop reviewing our bats because you can't hit anymore you ever think about that day that's coming it's 98 percent you will Ninety eight percent. That might be uh, that might be the day we make our own bat. One thing we have considered, and I think this this will probably happen. Before somebody will take this idea before we do it, but something I've always thought of, and you guys are free, free to take this idea. I just think it's really hard to execute making a bat that's literally called the illegal bat, and it, it's more of a toy than a, a yeah. bat. But it's a bat that is specifically not certified for any you know, 
bat regulation or any safety restriction whatsoever. A bat that is just for fun, the hottest bat that has ever been made, dangerously high performing, that is like a 35-inch drop 10 that <laughs> washed up dads can hit 400-foot bombs with. <laughs> I think that's something like that would be amazing. Um, just because, again, a lot of the costs associated with baseball bats are getting them certified by USA or BB Corps or USA. So it, I think you could sell it for relatively cheap. It's just the the research and development in making that product would be, be really difficult. But in theory, it works because every baseball bat certification right now says there is a limit on how good a bat can be. So in theory, there should be a bat you can make above that limit, and no one's really ever tried to do that. I'd watch, Will. I'd watch you. I'd watch you just rake with that bat. No problem. See, Wheeler, you'd be hitting tanks with that bat. That's that's the idea. Sounds good. <laughs> Sounds good. You'd be in target to the big, giant, barreled orange wiffle ball bat. That's the idea for that. So maybe one day <laughs> when I'm 70. <laughs> Will, one of the most fun videos I watched was the Battle of the Decades video. Where you got oh, bats yeah, from the seventies all the way to like the modern day like BB core bats. What yeah, was good one. what was the like best part of that video? Because I can just imagine getting like the nineties like two thousands bats and just like taking you back to like childhood with like just like the sound of the bat hitting the ball. Yeah, that video is amazing. So for for anyone that hasn't seen that one, we compared the like the the most iconic bats from the seventies, the eighties, the nineties the 2000 slash Beezer era and the, the modern BB core era. Um, and one bat from every decade, we called it the battle of the decades. And it really took off, you know, the video went really, really well. There was a very clear distinction between all the bats. I think the coolest part of that video, like the thing that was kind of most satisfying to me was how good the 1970s bats were. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, what mm-hmm. the hell? It was for being the first metal bats ever in like college and high school baseball circulation, they, they are as good, uh, very close at least just about as good as the current bats that we use. Wow. And the, the reason for that is that they're, you know, our bats are nerfed to a certain safety restriction, but um, it's just amazing to see how those bats like, you know, and just the fact that it's 50 years old, it's been sitting in a garage for 50 years and, we're putting balls on top of grocery outlet in left field there. Um, that was the best part just because I thought the seventies bats were going to be just God awful, but yeah, there's something about the bat, uh, from the two thousands. I don't know. I forget what the name of it was, but it was like, it brought me back to like when I played softball and like my brother's playing baseball, it was just like the sound of it. And like all these comments were like, Oh my gosh, I can remember as like a kid. Like, do you guys remember? Do you remember the bat that you had when you were oh, in yeah. Little League? Or you, all you guys? Do you guys remember the oh, bat yeah. you guys used? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that's that's the reason that we do videos like that every now and then. Because mm-hmm. um, if you look through the comments, like the, the, the average comment isn't, well, this was an amazing bat review. Thanks for your hard work. It's, <laughs> man, I remember back in my day, class of 1988, I used the right. Easton B5. Hit seven home runs, hit three twenty one batting average. It's people reminiscing and uh, d- dipping into that nostalgia. Yeah, so that that's just you know, a, a happy byproduct of us doing that review. Is people just eat it up? People that aren't baseball players anymore—they're forty years removed 
from being a baseball player yeah. that are enjoying that content. So that's something I didn't even really think of going into when we started making those types of videos, but you know, YouTube yeah. has a bigger net than I ever realized. Oh, so I've been shocked. Nice. I've been shocked at like the shared experience thing that you create. Cause I remember during that video, it might've been outside of that one. You had the one that you described as ceramic and it was from yeah, the 1980s yeah. or something like that. That bat was in a barrel in like behind our cage when I was in high school, like forever. It was just that bat that we'd like take and hit rocks with or something sometimes. Right. But I've been surprised at all like the little details, the sounds of it. And you can almost feel the texture through your videos sometimes. And I did yeah. so many baseball players in, in I'm even going into your videos being like, what is this? Like who I didn't even really know what bats I had. And then you start swinging. I'm like, Oh, I remember the Easton Secor from when I was in little league. And I remember that, that orange stealth, we would have killed for that orange stealth. And it comes through yeah, the, oh yeah. the sound and the visual and, and it creates that kind of texture. And so I, I'm wondering if part of that niche thing isn't even just, I want to know, I'm curious about what back technology is like and which ones are effective and not. You're, you're literally like reaching into Ben in junior high, rummaging through the bat barrel so. behind the cage, right? Yes. I think that's part of it, which is wild. That's not, again, that's not something we set out to reach. That's just some, a, a good byproduct of the videos. But what's so nice about the bats is like, it's crazy. Like these 1970s bats, they can sit in a garage for 50 years and still bang. Like in our little hit tracks league we did on Monday nights, Ryan had his old, like probably 1993 Easton black magic. Oh, and yeah. that thing bangs. Like it, it, even the paint looks good on it. It's metal. Right. So it's like, it's not like it's deteriorating. Like you yeah. can still use the bats and, like even, you know, for, for people that are looking to get back into it on eBay or even like at a plate against sports or sideline swap, you can very possibly find the bat you used in high school or literally oh, and get it and it will. will still hit. That's exactly so, what I need to start. As long as we haven't done a though. review on it and driven the value <laughs> up that next. or something like that, but that unfortunately happens. Sometimes. Yeah, Dan, can you collect that? You got bourbon and then you just have classic aluminum bats. Bat from back in the day yeah the uh well you're talking about the comments and people people jumping in your comments and asking for different reviews and you mentioned also that the yeah. uh the the building in left field what's the uh what do, what do people call that there's no way like the, the the most people that you know most of our listeners especially like, don't live in in bend oregon and so like they don't know that that's just a grocery outlet but like what do, what do people call that do you ever get like any like weird ones where people think that building is so people ask about it all the time all the really? time. It, it's become a big topic <laughs> in our comments, but nobody knows what it is. They just call it the building in left field. The building. Yeah. And uh, the probably the main question is like, do you get those balls off the roof? And it, I think people like mostly understand that it's some sort of like industrial or commercial building because it has all, you know, the little, you know, pieces on mm -hmm. the roof, all the ventilation things. Uh, but people mostly ask like, do you get the balls off of the roof? And they, and I, I don't really answer them because that, that's a very common question, but uh, we don't. They're they're up there, and I think if you went up there right now, you'd probably find 150 baseballs that are just waterlogged <laughs> and you know ruined forever. At least um, maybe not 150. I think I'm overestimating my power. Maybe like oh. 40, but maybe some uh, of the Bend Elks can get up there too. Every now and then, never know. From left to right, that's a Rite Aid, 
super thrift thrift store and a grocery outlet. But yeah, people never know what it is. I just, I've told people what it is a few times though. Um, but there's, there's so many Bendites that watch our videos that like see that we're at, at Vince Kenna stadium and comment like, you know, grocery outlet customers are probably looking up halfway through their shopping trip here and the ball hit the roof, but I don't think you can hear it from the store. The roof's <laughs> kind of padded. We'll try it out so. next time you're uh, next time you're, you're hitting, I'll go inside and see what, see what happens. Yeah. We'll have walkie talkies. Here right. it comes. <laughs> One Oh nine. Well, in your videos, you have a, there's like a solid Venn diagram of what's working there. Obviously there's the reviews, right? And then quite yeah. frankly, next I say is your personality. Like it just, it feels like you're just hanging out with Will, just hanging out with the Bat Bros. Um, Thanks, I, I, I want to do it, but it's also just fun. It's lit, so much fun. Like my boys and I, the three of us will sit around just watching you crank balls out, just hammer baseballs. Like, are you having fun as you're recording these as much fun as it looks like you're having? Yes, yes. We're having fun with you. So he's working. Wheeler. So there, there's sometimes it's hard to like really just have fun. Cause you know, the whole time I'm thinking like, all right, like I'm trying to review the bat, right. I'm trying yeah. to like get my thoughts together about um, what I want to say about the bat and how this bat stacks up against, you know, the best bats on the market. And mostly I'm just a little paranoid about giving like, a perfectly accurate review that people mm-hmm. that people are like aren't going to get the bat and be like, what the hell is he talking about? You know, I, I want people to get the bat and be like, everything he said was right on about this. So I'm mostly just kind of stressed out about that. However, <laughs> sure. if a bat really like the, the scenario where a bat will really exceed my expectations or really disappoint me, that's fun. That's always really, really hilarious because I know that's going to make really good content. And uh, that's when you really get the very genuine heightened reactions out of me. Okay, um, nice. So, yeah, I live for the moments of really like this bat was going to suck and it's really good or this bat was supposed to be really good and it sucks. Th- those are the ones I, I enjoy most. But, that's I awesome. mean, it's hitting, dude. So, like, at, at some level, yes, I'm having an absolute blast in every video. Uh, but it, it's hard to think of it like that because – you know, it, it's my job and I'm trying to make sure it's like sure. perfect. Sure. Yeah. I think to answer your question, yeah, it's fun as hell. So, so speaking of this, speaking of this being, being your job, uh, you know, here on this podcast, we cover this, this sport from so many different angles, not just from the, the guys on the field. You know, we, we, I think I've told you before how we've had front office members and, and media and yeah. personalities and different equipment reps and just kind of just, it's so much more than just the guys on the field. Right. Um, and one thing that I've, I don't know if we've really ever talked about on this podcast, but at some point to a lot of people, they get that, uh, it's, it's getting a lot of, a lot of pub right now with uh, Anthony Rendon, where it it becomes not, not the same like childhood joy. And, and it does become a job. And you mentioned that, you know, it's your job. This is how you make money. You know, your, your future kid is not going to eat air. You have to provide a living for your family and all this kind of stuff. Have you crossed that line yet where it feels like a job or is it still that like just that nostalgic kid in you that is just having a blast? I think the fact that I'm able to play baseball at all at this point, and that's like part of my career that to this point, five years in, I'm just geeked about it. That part has not worn off. Um, 
And I think the fact that I tasted that four or five years of, you know, a pretty like high intensity, not that gratifying desk job working in advertising and marketing has made me appreciate it more. Um, But just to answer your question bluntly, I really, really love it still. And, you know, to be fair, like Anthony Rendon has been doing baseball as a career much longer than I've been doing bat bros as a career. And I have no idea like what that dude's going through and the the kinds of hate he's getting from, from fans and media. But I think one thing that's been super helpful to us is our, our viewers are so supportive and we do get so much positive affirmation. I think it's been pretty easy to feel encouraged and uh, affirmed to keep on going. So yeah, I I, I, owe, I owe a lot of that to the the people that are watching our videos and commenting. They've been really, really, really supportive. So I'm I'm pretty stoked about it still, honestly. Speaking of childhood joy, what was your favorite movie growing up, and was it The Sandlot? Oh my gosh! Wait, did you have a reason that you said The Sandlot? I do, because. I know that I did some research because I was watching The Sandlot the other day and I was like, I wonder where they filmed this. Like, I wonder where this film is. And it's in Salt Lake City. Yeah. And that's where you went to college. Did yeah. you ever go visit the field and like all those spots? Yeah. So it's it's in this little neighborhood of Salt Lake called Rose Park, which is like the most unassuming neighborhood ever. And the actual, the actual Sandlot is just like, unfortunately, it's an overgrown part of somebody's backyard now. But where they did the scrimmage against the Rose Park boys, like the local little league team yeah. where they were beef, like the Sandlot yeah. guys kicked their ass and they were beefing with like the organized little league guys in the movie. Oh, yeah. That field is still there and very recognizable. And it's the home of Rose Park. Little league, awesome. and it's cool that they have that original signage up and everything. But um, a lot of that video was filmed in Arizona, but most of the baseball parts. Yeah. were in Salt Lake yeah. city. Uh, but that's funny you asked that because The Sandlot, I would say growing up, that's probably the movie that I did like the most. So that's wild that you said that. I would say my other favorite movie, just because we only had like five VHS tapes. So we would just rotate through, <laughs> through them all. And a bunch of my sisters. So like a few of them were like Little Mermaid and stuff like that. But Hercules, 1990s, was that was my jam. That was your jam. Just hey, go in the. Di- I can go the distance. Yeah, go the distance. Really, really hit home. I guess I don't know. What it was. I love it. Love it. Speaking of going the distance, what is this world record? So I actually didn't break it, which I think is perfect. Okay. So we went for the farthest ball ever hit, which was 582 feet, set by Joey Meyer in I think 1987, and the guys just. The guy's an absolute beast. And he hit it in Denver, Colorado, which makes sense, really high elevation. And we set out to, you know, with the most juiced bats possible right behind me here, with the most juiced baseballs possible, hitting off of a pitching machine with an easy pitch in perfect conditions at 7,000 feet elevation in Wyoming, can we use technology in the perfect conditions to break this record? Which is kind of bs right because like <laughs> the guy who broke the record did it against a real pitcher with a wood bat in a game setting in right. professional baseball so it's like we wanted to be very clear that it was you know more for like fun and entertainment and just curiosity to see if like 
within the experiment, we can possibly hit a ball that far. But uh, I still would have felt weird breaking it. I never thought we'd come close, but we had, you know, the wind was just barely coming like behind us. And I just hit, dude, I leaned in and I gained probably 20 pounds going into that video lifting like crazy. And like, I was honestly, to give myself credit, I was training hard, bro. And I was hitting the ball harder than I ever have in my life. And I hit a ball that just didn't come down, man. Like it hit its apex and just, I feel like it just stayed there for a minute. And uh, it was like 30 feet farther than I had hit any other, any other ball that day. It was still pretty early in the morning, so I still had a lot of gas left. But it went. We got it measured by an engineer and everything, like with our own personal, like our own, like we had like a literally a physical like tape measure that went up to three hundred <laughs> feet, and we like, did that twice. We had it measured at like five seventy eight, and a city engineer came the next day and measured it at five eighty point eight, and the record wow. was five eighty. Wow. I was one foot short, but I thought that was like perfect because yeah, we were awesome. right up to the edge of almost breaking it. So like the you know the viewers are like holy shit, like this is crazy. So they loved it. But so cool. I also like were able to honor the dude that actually holds that record in a real competitive game setting with a wood bat. So I thought that was the perfect scenario. That is, that's awesome. Hey, so when you go, when you go out and make these videos, right? Like the, yeah. it's, it's a business. We talk about this. This is your livelihood. You go out and make these videos. Um, you know, you're not asking people for money, which is, I think is a really cool thing. You're asking people to watch. Yeah. You're asking people to click, right? But like, this isn't like, you know, this is, it's, it's your time, it's your money, it's everything else. What's the most, not like necessarily a dollar figure, but like, what's like the, the most you've had to like put into making a video? Is it like flying to Jackson, Wyoming, getting hotel rooms and setting all that stuff up and bringing all your equipment? Or is it like, just like, like, is there anything out there that's like you've done that you've put a lot into and then like no one watched it or like, it's kind of like something <laughs> like that where you're like, it's just going to be so I'm going to put extra into it. We're going to buy this or buy that. And it just doesn't work. Or is it, is it usually always hit for you? Well, fortunately, just the nature of the videos is pretty simple and straightforward. It's very, you know, it, like it's useful, right? So it's very content heavy. So we don't have to like do a ton of frills and like extra things to like make it interesting. So it's not very expensive to make. Um, yeah, the only ones that are expensive are like travel-based videos where we're going somewhere to like try to do something and we're yeah. flying other people out for it. Like, yeah, that Wyoming video, I, I probably put like, like it was, wasn't crazy, you know, like for, for YouTubers, like people will go, you know, people will 10X this and then some, but like I probably put like 8,000 into that. Mm-hmm. Um but like, you know, that was like, I figured if I can break even with that video, like that experience will be worth it. So, and you know, what I like to tell people is like, it gets to be a business. Like it, yeah. I'm fortunate enough to where like this became my job. I would st- honestly, I, I, I really think even if I wasn't making enough money for this to be my full-time job, I think I would still be doing it as like a side hobby. Love that. Just cause right like, on. I think it's yeah. so fun and I think people get a lot of value from it. And I think I, I do a decent job at it. And um, I, I have the, you know, enough weird passion about baseball bats to be able to do it somewhat regularly. So uh, for it's fortunate enough to be a job, but I don't, I, I do everything I can to make sure I don't change what it is yeah. to help it support me as a business. Fortunately, like YouTube pays us enough to where we're able to not change anything about the content. Yeah. 
So to add to the nostalgia conversation, we were talking about sound of bats yeah. and all that stuff. First of all, my kid got a hype fire because of you over Christmas and the sound of it. Is, <laughs> Good choice. That it's like a special kind of a sound. Yeah. He's, uh, he's yeah. very happy and impressed. Um, but I, I have a, a brother that's nine years older than me and yeah. we've connected over baseball. Uh, I wore number four cause my brother wore number four who watched the Ken Burns documentary and understood who Lou Gehrig was and he wore number four yeah, and now my son wears Gehrig, number yeah. four. Um, and you know, being nine years younger than my brother, we've made this connection over baseball. And I, I have a guess because of our connection, a little bit of what your connection with your brother is like, but um, how did that happen? You said he's your best friend, nine years difference. You guys are practically yeah. living on different planets, right? When you're growing up, yeah. how does this happen? And is, is baseball kind of at the center of that? Baseball is it. Yeah, for sure. But part of it too was I have, I have three other siblings. I'm the oldest of four. And you know, like I love my sisters. We're, we're very, very close. I was just hanging out with, with the youngest of my two sisters all weekend up in Portland. But, um, so it was me and then a sister and then a sister and then a brother. So I, I think part of me was like, hell yeah, finally. Like I, I got a little bro. So I, I finally have somebody to play wiffle ball with. And I had to grind out those initial years from nine to 14 until he got of age to where it wasn't like criminal of me to throw baseballs at him. It was just close enough of an age gap to where, and I was embarrassingly old to be playing wiffle ball in the cul-de-sac, but <laughs> like from ages like 14 to 25, we just went to war. Yes. Playing wiffle ball in the cul-de-sac, like intense, intense wiffle ball games. And he got really good at it. We, yeah, we, we just went to war with baseball video games and wiffle ball in the, in the cul-de-sac. And um, I had so, I just had so much joy in trying to get him better and, and, you know, grow him. And that, so that's the origin, you know, of the baseball bat bros is me and my little brother starting it all. Yeah. So he's still playing. But he'll he'll be a full time employee whenever whenever he's done, whether that's next year, whether that's ten years from now. So, yeah, shout out. That's to cool. You. My philosophical idea. So wiffle ball is involved in my story too. My brother and his yeah. friend would play two on one against me. Um, <laughs> math still doesn't make sense uh, unless you're the older no, brother. No. <laughs> but I think there was always this like, I don't know. I might be reading into it too much. Like it's like we oh, needed yeah. we needed the game to keep going, you know, there's like, there's yeah. a lot of truth in the, in the, in the Sandlot thing that we needed yeah. this thing to keep. And we're both big Mariners fans now. And like we text each other during the year, but when baseball happens, you know, I'll text him about a guy to making a funny slide in the second. And anyway, they're just, I don't really know what I'm getting at other than um, I, I appreciate you being a big brother that's willing yeah. to, um, be undignified in the cul-de-sac, so to speak, in order to establish this connection that now you guys are just going to need for the rest of your lives. And I think that's what, that's what baseball is all about. Yeah, man. I, I feel like, you know, to your point and, and to be clear, like, you know, if my brother didn't play baseball, if, if he went on and did, you know, whatever else, he'd have been ostracized or, wrestler or whatever theater, <laughs> yeah. uh, like, you know, I, I'd love him to death and support him, but, I think the fact that he was like as into baseball as I was like, it was the only sport we played. 
and I was on a podcast recently where I was talking about like, what's my number two sport? And it was basketball, but I was terrible. <laughs> but, uh, and he was pretty bad too. So we both got, we never made the varsity high school team. We always got cut before that point. But the fact that he was as into baseball as he was, and like as much as I was, I think that's what like brought us close. And that's like why we had so much in common. And I think that's why we're able to be best friends being nine years apart. Uh, whereas, you know, a lot of people might not be able to have that strong of a bond with a sibling that far removed. But um, I think if it wasn't for baseball, we might, yeah, there's a definitely a chance we might not be that close because that's, that's our language, man. That's what we talk about. That's how we relate. We played MVP baseball 2005 together. Wow. We, dude, we spent, we still have that game at my house. I actually have adapters where, you know, we can cast PS2 to my TV. We have wireless controllers for a PlayStation 2. And I just recently found out that that was a thing. And we still play each other in that that game that's 19 years old. That's so good. With man. Manny on the cover, right? Yeah. Oh, nice pull, oh, Professor. Yeah, exactly right. So good. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. We're going to step into something fun. Enough of the fuzzy stuff. Let's get rid of all the nostalgia of this. It's gross. Can't believe we were so vulnerable on a podcast. We're going to jump into a little game that we created really over the last 24 hours. It's specially designed for you, Will. So, Professor, hit the music Ready. and let's play Bat Association. All right. Here's how this works. I am going to name a celebrity. All right, Will, you paying attention? And you need to associate that celebrity with that, with a bat. Okay. And you got to give me a really good reason as to why it's that bat that goes with that celebrity. All right. Are, Are you ready? You buckled in. I think I'm the only guy on the planet that could do this with some level of accuracy. So I absolutely That's why we agree. Called you. Great, great <laughs> choice, by the way. Uh, I'm excited for this. I just hope you save people that I know. Well, we'll see. We'll see about that. It'll be a surprise. All Christina right. was watching the videos. She was like, this guy loves these bats so much. He knows so I know. much it's, about it's them. It's kind of weird. And so this game Christina, makes sense for you, right? Oh, no. I, I, it's a little I, bit I of an it. issue. I really... <laughs> I really like the bats. <laughs> All right. First celebrity that has really recently come back into the focal point because of the Super Bowl halftime show. The first bat association oh, bat is Usher. The man. Oh, banger. Usher. All right, all right. What's the bat? Okay. This is good. I, I was a big Usher fan. Um, yes. My dad even jammed Same. a little bit of Usher. All right. Usher. Uh, peaked in the early 2000s. <laughs> um, yes. Let's see. You I know, so kind much. of a tall, slim fella. Uh, all right. I think of the bat that Ken Griffey Jr. swung, the Louisville Slugger C271 wood bat. Kind of a slim, um, easy to swing, but very powerful wood bat. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with a Louisville Slugger 271 Ash Uncupped. Nice. Usher, Uncut. a model that was very popular wow. in the early 2000s, but has has lost popularity in recent years. Love it, love it. I absolutely nailed that one. By the way, that one, that one's perfect. Yes. Why? Thank why you. would Usher be uncupped? I gotta ask. That's just what <laughs> Griffey swung. I guess he could be uncupped. <laughs> he would probably be uncupped now that I think about it. You know, if he was more of like a. 
you know, 90s hip hop guy, he'd be uncupped. But since he's more of, you know, dabbles in R&B, I feel like he'd be cupped. So fair question. This is going all over the internet. All right. You ready for number two? Yep. Give us the bat associated with Chris Hemsworth. Chris, that's the Thor guy, right? That's the Thor yes, guy, right? Christina, am I getting right, that right? So, that is a hundred percent right. Yes, it is. All right, I did it. Australian Thor. All right, Chris Hemsworth. Uh, you just got to think of the hammer, right? So I'm, I'm just going to Thor here. So uh, just the heaviest bat I can possibly think of. So because the, the hammer is supposed to be heavy, that's the concept, right? Right. Nobody so, can lift. Uh, yeah. Only those who are the worthy. The current heaviest, most end-loaded, heaviest swinging bat for its size in the current baseball bat market would be the Stinger Nuke. I think that would that would probably be the bat. Or you guys might remember this is a kind of a it, this was almost like a T-ball bat, but a cheap bat. But it was you know the name fits the Easton Hammer. Oh, there actually was a hammer <laughs> bat. <laughs> Yeah, the Easton Hammer. Nice. And it was like, you know, it was the $80 bat you got at Walmart, but the name is Hammer, so I feel like it fits. Hey, that was the bat me and Dan were buying. Right, Dan? I was an Omaha guy. I had uh, the blue Omaha and then the orange Omaha. What about that yellow oh, nice. or gold right. one? Wasn't there a gold Omaha? Yeah, that, that was probably 03. Was gold yeah. Omaha. That, was the, that was the pro model. That was not in the cards out in Pendleton, Oregon. Those were sick. Okay, we got three more, and then maybe a surprise one if we have more time. All right, Ryan Gosling, the bat associated with Ryan Gosling. All right, all right, another guy that kind of peaked in the mid two thousands there, with the Notebook, of course. Uh, Oh, are you a Notebook fan? Nice point. No, no, I just you know, I'm just culturally aware. So you know, not, not a ton, not a ton of mass on the guy. More of a flashy dude. So I'm trying to think, like, what was what was the hot, popular bat in the mid 2000s? We're gonna have to go with the Easton Stealth. Yes, that's such a good call. He is the an Easton Stealth, the hot bat of the mid 2000s. Any specific color for Mr. Gosling? Yeah, I mean. Probably the or the most iconic, most expensive orange, orange stealth, the orange stealth comp, two thousand eight, I think it was. It sounds right. That sounds like Ken's bat. My brother had that bat. Sounds like Ken's bat. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Cardi B is next. Cardi B. All right. I'm so so curious of this one. Let's see, Cardi B. Cardi B. Um, (laughs) Good luck. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I feel like there's no like safe answer here but i'm gonna go with the d marini the goods just big <laughs> fat arrow on it absolute fatty of a sweet spot on the d marini the goods so i feel like you know that's just the self-explanatory Nailed self-explanatory it. next okay <laughs> Oh the next God. one. Oh, I really should have left Cardi B for last. Uh, the last one is uh, Mr. John Cena. A little bit safer. John Cena. John Cena. I'm trying to think of a bat that's like camouflage, but they exist, right? There's got to be camo bats out there. Oh, I got one. Dan, you just mentioned this. 
a bat that was very popular when John Cena was rising to power in the early 2000s. And all the and oh, oh, this one's good. A bat that was rising to power in the early 2000s and has stayed relevant all the way until 2024. The TPX slash Louisville Slugger Omaha. A stiff, rigid, heavy, one-piece bat. Just nothing but business. Has always been popular. Just gets the job you done. Can't see him. <laughs> well, I, I wasn't able to connect to that, but TPX Omaha, John Cena. It's perfect. So good. I remember that bat. You swing that one, Dan? That was what I had, yeah. We had uh, two iterations of that back-to-back. Um, that's probably oh, the so only good. bat that has like, been a bat since for the last 25 years, honestly. I think that bat it's debuted in Don't fix it, you know? And it's still a bat. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it's, you know, Omaha College World Series. It's the perfect yeah. name. It is. Just for kicks, what what's Dan Straley's bat? Let's do bat association with, association <laughs> with Dan. Something sturdy. Dan did tease this one to me, so... <laughs> okay. uh, so Dan makes his living on his precision, mm-hmm. on his control, on his finesse, not necessarily on his power, right? Oh, yeah. uh, the perfect brand for that would be Marucci. So Dan, yeah. you are the Marucci Cat X. A good looking, easy to swing bat that is easy to be precise with, but isn't necessarily the best bat for hitting at 600 feet. So it's a it really is, good hunting bat. It is the two-seam fastball. It is the cutter of baseball bats. Perfect. What color? What color is it? It's... Oh, my God. This wasn't intentional. It's white and red. Yeah. It's ginger. Nice. <laughs> nice. Hey, uh, I got oh, one more to add. I got one more to add to this list. This was... Uh, just thought of. What I got to point out, Dan, you? you passed the bunting test. I'm really thankful for you, Dan. You passed the bunting test. Good job. I, that's the, Hey, you got to lead the league in something. <laughs> that's right. Got to lead the league in something. Will, what bat are you? I feel like I'm exempt, man. I'm outside nope. of the bat world. Are you but, that broken bat that's on the bat on the wall behind you? Or are you the, the world record bat right there? The graveyard bats? If I was a bat... Shoot, man! I feel like my job is to be impartial about bats. I can't. I can't identify with a bat. I you am are all the bats. I am the skinny yellow wiffle ball bat that you yeah. can find in your yeah. local Kroger with a shin guard on. I love it. The switch hitting catcher of bats. That's right. We didn't even. I'm we didn't even talk about you hitting tanks left handed lately. By the way, we didn't even get into I know, that. Dude, that's I found my lefty swing again. I was a switch hitter in college, so I'm glad I found it again. Otherwise, that would have been a wasted skill. But, um, yeah, the lefty swing is back. New chapter for the Bat Bros. Love it. He's practically the uh, the gorgeous, glorious Cal Raleigh of the Seattle Mariners. You're almost there. Oh. You're right there. Don't mention him. I'll, I'll never be. Talk in about an hour about him. Oh, well, we appreciate your time, man. Um, like I said, I know that you're, you're busy. You got a lot of stuff going on, plenty of your own content to produce and to, so to help us out with our own, uh, and entertain us with some of these stories and ideas and what you're doing in the baseball bat world is, um, it literally, there's nobody else to talk to about this kind of stuff. We got the one expert in the world. Uh, so we appreciate you taking the time. Well, I'm, I'm glad that I could give you bat comps to Usher and Cardi B. So. Yes. Um, at He's least I can well. provide that in some way. So, 
Thank you guys for uh, having me on so much. It's been a pleasure to kick it with you guys, and uh, you know we'll do it again someday. All right, man. We'll see you soon. All righty. All right, that was Will Taylor of the Baseball Bat Bros. Again, love the energy this guy has. Love that guy. Uh, love experiences that guy. and stories. You guys ever play that old video game um, where you could do home run derby? And then you could do home run derby like in a living room, and then you could do. Oh it yeah, you guys, do you remember what that was? It was like one of the two Ks or something. Triple like play, that. triple play. And yeah. uh, I used to get Chuck Knobloch. I was the Chuck Knobloch guy, and I would always hit it up out. I feel like it was like Toy Story, and I'm hitting like up <laughs> over everything in the living room. Yeah, yeah I remember Heck that. Yeah. I need a version of Will inside of that world. I need yes. him to go to like these weird niche little ballparks, and maybe that'll happen. Uh, someday in the future, but a ton of fun. Uh, any celebrities we left off, you guys? Who else should have been in that list? Donald Trump. I thought of some political <laughs> celebrities and I was like, I'm not going to go there. So I didn't bring them up. This is not a political podcast, though. I'm not going to anything. I just say, I just would have loved to have seen his reaction if we just like dropped like Cardi B and then Donald Trump on him. See what he would have said. Oh I don't even know God. if he could have answered. Kind of just stumped him. <laughs> yeah, the interview. You would have closed the laptop on us is what he would have done. with an orange bag. You know, the, the, only right? thing, the only thing I really wanted to ask him that I, I kind of forgot about um, was he had a video where he went out to Oklahoma City, or not Oklahoma City, Stillwater, Oklahoma, and hit with uh, with the holidays. So he oh, hit yeah. with yeah. – uh, right there at the stadium. And I just I, – I wish – I should have asked him who – if he could pick any ball player, past and present, to go do that with again, who would it be? I just I, I'm gonna have to text him and ask him that because I'm I'm curious now. But I feel like I feel like he you know he can go hit with a lot of people and 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 make videos and make content. But like you know even if he's just doing it for fun, like who would he go like spend his time hitting with like that? Yeah. I think that would have been a fun one. But I mean, it's just an excuse. Maybe to have next him time on again, right? Yeah, don't spoil there it with we go. text message. Let's just have him on again here in a little while. Okay, Christina, who do we leave off the list? I really liked it. Was, I'm going to steal it. It's, it was your idea, Ben, but I really wanted to see Killian Murphy. Just like an old oh. school, like gangster Peaky Blinders kind of bat. Like, I want to know what that is. Yeah. What's the yeah. Peaky Blinder bat? It's got to be wood. Yeah. Black, black and wood. I think so. It's got to oh. be the bat that, uh, that, uh, was it Roger Clemens chucked at Mike Piazza? It's going to be that bat. <laughs> the shard. <laughs> Dude, the shard. That's, a, that's exactly what it is, though. You're right. <laughs> Good. I'm glad Will didn't answer that. Dan needed to answer that one. What's the gangster bat? All right, guys. That's it for us from the, uh, the newly branded Quad Pod. You guys were having so much fun being back in this. Again, rate, review, subscribe anywhere that you get your podcasts. And, uh, you know what? We'll see you next time. Thank you.